Serving Northumberland County as a not-for-profit, volunteer-run community radio station, this is CFWN-FM, Northumberland 89.7. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts and guests of Reality Realty are not necessarily the views or opinions of Northumberland 89.7 FM. The information given is designed to be informative and helpful. You should always consult a professional when buying or selling your home. This is Reality Realty. I'm Dale Bryant, and I'm a real estate broker with Royal LePage Pro Alliance Realty Brokerage. Yesterday, yesterday we were able to see the unseeable as the world looked on to view the first ever photographed image of a black hole. It's been called the M87, which is sort of James Bondish, and is approximately 50 million light years from Earth. Another unseerable event will occur this evening around 7 p.m. when the Toronto Maple Leafs take the ice and will be playing in a playoff match for two years in a row. Another unforeseeable occurrence. Now in real estate, Reality Realty provides you the looking glass to see, well, actually hear, useful tips, services, and events surrounding key real estate components of your home and the real estate in general of Northumberland County. So get ready, get set for your favorite local real estate forum. Thursday mornings at this time, we take on, we talk about, and we interview guests on all things real estate with a direct focus on Northumberland County and the communities within it. This morning, we will have Aaron Farrell. Aaron is a real estate sales representative with Royal LePage Pro Alliance Realty Brokerage. Aaron is a stager and a real estate investor, and he will be with us shortly. And Aaron will be giving us some inside information on how to how house flipping works and some tips to help you become su- successful in the art of real estate investment house flipping. Before we get into today's topics, let's see what's happening in the Snapshot Report for April 11, 2019. There have been 138 single-family residential sales over the past month, and that sales number just continues to rise during this 2019 spring market. It leaves us with an increasing inventory of 407 residential listings for sale. The average selling price of successful sales over the past year has risen to approximately $422,000. Now that's a notable number because it was just two weeks ago and our average sale price when we we averaged it out for a year was $417,000. So over two weeks it has risen $5,000 and it's risen in a one year average. So that's very substantial. During the past year, people have received on average approximately 98% of their list price in a market time of 46 days. Northumberland County, you are still in a seller's market with an absorption rate at approximately 34% based on the past month's sales trend. What that means is we have a residential home inventory that can satisfy approximately three months of sales at the rate homes have been selling. 
I research these Northumberland County statistics and calculate the absorption rate using information from CoreLogic's matrix system. Now, if you're going on your computer to look for CoreLogic's matrix system, you might find it, but you won't be able to get access to it because it is the realtor component of the MLS system. So if you're thinking of buying or selling a home in the near future, you'll want this kind of information we just did in Snapshot, but you'll want it to be area-specific, specific to the property type you're dealing with in the price band it's in. And how do you get that information? Well, you talk to your local realtor because they're going to be able to get the information that you need that's most relevant to you. Today's mortgage rates. Mortgage rates have come down again. A five-year fixed is as low as 2.99% and a five-year variable as low as 2.75%. And as always, some conditions do apply. Today's mortgage rates, they come to us from mortgage broker Carol Ann Bryant with Dominion Lending Centers Alliance. <clears throat> Here is a date you're going to want to put in your calendar, and the date is Saturday, June 8th, 2019. And the Architectural Conservancy of Ontario, we, we often refer to it as the ACO, Coburg and East Northumberland, they're excited to present their house tour, and they're going to have eight amazing properties in Brighton, Colburn, and Grafton for tour. And this house tour is, as I said, on Saturday, June 8th, and it will run from 10 a.m. until 4 p.m. The homes will range in age from the eight, from 1840s to 2000s, and they all will have some sort of unique architectural feature and interior design. Tickets will be $30, and you'll be able to purchase them from Lighthouse Books in Brighton, Downey Pharmacy in Colburn, and 1812 Antiques in Grafton. Or I'll give you a number here and that you can call for tickets, and the number is 289-435-2015. And if you miss that, we'll be repeating this notice again right up until June 8th for the event. That, folks, is a current snapshot of the residential real estate market and the events in Northumberland County. I'd just like to remind everyone that the views and opinions expressed on Reality Realty or any of the articles presented do not necessarily represent the views and opinions of the station, of the Northumberland Hills Association of Realtors, or any real estate brokerage or realtor. They're simply our views and opinions at this time. As I mentioned at the top of the show, our guest today is here to address a topic we've never addressed yet on Reality Realty, so it's long overdue. And we have with us a sales representative for real estate at Royal LePage. And here in town, we have here a stager, and we have here a real estate investor who has a lot of experience in flipping uh, investment homes. And no, it's not three people. It's one person, and it's Aaron Farrell. And good morning, Aaron, and thank you for joining us here. Hi, Dale. Thank you for having me. Yeah, well, pretty excited about this. Um, having somebody here with me in, in the studio who has experience on home flipping, I, I, I just think it's, it's just golden, this topic, because there's a lot of people who think about it. And there's, it's a mystery, and, and it's a mystery for a reason. Not because you open the door and it's all easy-peasy. It's, it's a mystery for good reasons. So 
fantastic. I, I thank you for, for offering to do this and, and giving away some secrets. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Aaron, first thing people are going to want to know is uh, if they're about to listen to us for for a show or two, because you said if, if it carries into a second show, you're good with that? Yeah, not a problem. I think there's a lot that we can cover. I think there's a lot of detail um, that goes into flipping homes and investing in general. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely, you know, one side of it is is doing the flip itself and the work. But before that, there's a whole other side just to setting up the deal, financing the deal, and uh, and projecting your numbers. So I think there's a lot we can cover. Perfect. So folks... We're, it looks like we have a two-part series here on uh, on the uh, the art of the uh, real estate investment home flip. But people want to know a little bit about yourself, what qualifies you to come on here on, on such a epic, prestigious real estate show such as Reality Realty and talk about this. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, it's the first time I'm hearing that there's this much pressure today, but (laughs) I'll give it my best shot. Um, No, I guess go back about five years. Um, Mm -hmm. I was was just about finishing high school here in Coburg Mm -hmm. um, at St. Mary's Secondary School. And all my friends were going off to university, but uh, a good friend of mine's father was working as a foreman out in Fort McMurray on the oil sands. Mm So I kind of set aside university temporarily and I said, I'll go out there, make some money, figure everything out and gain a good experience. As I was out there, I had started saving up money and after about two years, um, I said, okay, well, I I have this money saved up. Let's consider buying a home. It's the best place to put your money in my opinion. And I was looking at it at the time, I didn't really need a place for myself because when we're out there, we're working 20 days, uh, fly home for eight days off, and then fly back again. So I was looking to get into investment properties. My first thought was to get into rentals. Mm -hmm. But here I was 19 years old and seeing the return on rentals, and I'm like, this is is a bit too slow for me right now. I wanted to build some equity kind of quick. Yeah, yeah. And um, so, I mean, I'd been doing trades out there. I started as a laborer and then got into doing carpentry. My father was always very handy, so I'd been around it. And I thought, let's give flipping homes a try. And I think, like you touched on, that's the biggest thing for people is pulling that trigger because it's a risk. Mm-hmm. And I think at first, the best thing you can do is just make it a calculated risk. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were shopping around for homes and looking back on it now, I probably made the first mistake that anyone can make. Which was? Getting emotional. Okay. And, and we'll, we'll cover that later, right? For sure. For sure t- we will. talk about but, things uh, not to do. Yeah. Yeah, Definitely. <laughs> Um, but what I was doing was I was going around to every house thinking, oh, this is perfect. This can be a flip. This will work. And, and throwing in an offer on, on the first two places that I actually saw. Yeah. Lucky for me, they didn't go through. We didn't get them. But I ended up finding a house here in Coburg that was a perfect start. And that was kind of the beginning of it all. So, I mean, it's not like you just learned through academics. You've, you've been doing this and... and maybe made mistakes and and had success and uh that's the best way to learn yeah i think i think especially with flipping it's such a hands-on practice there's so many variables to it Mm -hmm. that it can be tough to just read the books and and obviously it's important to gain as much knowledge as you can but like like most lessons the best lessons are are learned the hard way Mm -hmm. exactly and and aaron uh, staging you're a stager you're uh tell us a little bit about that so as we were 
um, flipping these homes, actually the first flip, um, I had left uh, a little bit of money in the budget for staging. And my mother at the time, who had always had a great design eye, um, we said, go forward with this and take this and see what we can do. And I think at the time before we had listed it, we were looking to sell around 319. This was back in 2015. Mm-hmm. And we staged the home and we ended up listing at 334 and getting 333. And I credit that, you know, very much so to the value of the staging mm-hmm. in the home. And so that was kind of like an eye opener, like, wow, you know, credit to my mother. You're very talented at this. Yeah. And so that also too, and same for my real estate as well, the flips were the early transition into getting the staging company started and then eventually getting my license as well. So you're in business with your mom. Yes. Fa- it's a family business and, and you folks do staging. Uh, what's the name of the staging company? It's called Staged Interiors. Mm-hmm. So we the company has been up for a little over a year and a half, but as we've worked through it every job, we've tried to grow our inventory as much as possible so that we have our own inventory in-house. So if things are needed quickly or with, with urgency, we can, we can help support that. That's fantastic. And, and, uh, and we, we've talked about, I've talked about with different guests uh, st- about staging a number of times over the years here on the show. And, and I absolutely agree. Uh, staging is, is a, a crucial component of uh, selling your home. And, and now you're, you're here with uh, Royal LePage and working out of the same office uh, that I'm working out of here in the mall in Coburg. And uh, yeah, it's, it's fantastic having you part of the brokerage. Yeah, it's been great. So, you know, a, a little bit about you and, and, and the way you grew into the flip and, 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 and then growing after the flip. Uh, who would you say is a good candidate for uh, buying an investment flip? I think I think if you're if you're someone that's considering getting into it, I think um, there's a multitude of variables that will help you. But I don't think you need to have all of them. Um, I would say someone that obviously, if you're handy and you can uh, do a good portion of the work yourself, that's going to be very helpful to you. You know, mm-hmm. the majority of the construction costs come with the labor, not the material. So if you can remove any of those costs by doing the work yourself, that's very helpful. I think it's important that because it is a calculated risk, you don't ever want to overextend yourself. You don't want to take everything you have saved and invested in the property. Mm -hmm. I think you want to have savings and maybe other income streams available to help support the investment while it's going on. And, And you're referring to if that's your only income? Yes. Yeah. Like if, if you're, if you're, um, able to manage it while maybe, you know, having another job on the side, um, your main job primarily and spend your evenings, you know, addressing the flip. I think that's the safest way to get into it when you start. Just because the risk that's associated with it, mm-hmm. it can be a lot to just jump into with, with no, no escape plan. Interesting. And, and we'll talk about return on investment uh, a little bit later. But, you, I mean, you're hinting towards when you say when you start, you're hinting towards you could that could just be your occupation, your career is – Flipping. So you've seen returns um, decent enough to think that. Absolutely. It, it all kind of, when you start, you know, it's always good to start with just taking on one. But a mm-hmm. lot of people that do this, they'll eventually scale their business in a way where they'll have crews working for them. They'll have multiple properties at a time and it becomes a full business. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, and then and then have to also have the time to search for a home. Search, can... Searching for the home, especially in this market. I mean, oh, yeah. Whether it's because there is a spotlight here as well in affordability for buyers coming from Durham, but typically 
when you're looking to buy homes, even in Northumberland, the price point that you're looking at, you're also competing with first-time home buyers. It's affordable to most people. So you have to be very active in your search. It also boils down to having a good realtor, mm-hmm. uh, a realtor that can quickly inform you on the property being listed so you can get there as soon as possible. Because the, you know, the last thing you want is to get into a multiple offer situation. Mm-hmm. You're going to be competing with an individual that is emotion, an emotional buyer. Mm-hmm. They're not going to flip the property. You are. So you have to be calculated. Whereas for them, they just want to get in. This is their first home. They're emotional and excited. They'll maybe overpay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And, and so a good realtor, um, you mentioned that can uh, make you aware of these properties ASAP. And, and uh, I would... I would say that that's likely most often an automated search where where the client is uh, notified at the same time as the realtors are notified. Because if you wait for realtor.ca, you're, you're up to 24 hours later exactly. to see that listing. So yeah, uh, value of a good realtor is, uh, is very important. And, and, then, and then the other part of the good realtor, I would say, and is being able to get you information on the values in that neighborhood and, and comparable properties to to try and get a vision of what the potential is. I think that's huge. I think it's also huge to have a realtor that can help you with a lot of the details throughout the process. I think of rural properties, for example, where um, it's really important if you're going to make that investment in a rural property to know the status of the septic. Because if you have a septic tank that isn't in good condition, um, that can really affect your margins. Or... Uh, informing you and leading you down a path where you can find out the history of a property that's had additions. Were they permitted? Were they not? Um, Because you don't want to be working with a property that you're trying to renovate, but it was also just thrown together. Mm -hmm. I think it's super important to have a realtor on your side that can lead you through that process. Mm -hmm. So in this flipping, what do you like most about it? Uh, Aside from from the return on investment, aside from the, the income, my favorite thing, which is it's it's the flip side to real estate, is every single day when you go into a flip and you're working on that property, you're seeing progress, right? You're seeing results every single day. There's some sort of intrinsic reward to that. You feel very accomplished, and that's an exciting process. I also love the design side of it. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm very, very passionate about home design, the transformation process. Um, in a way, it can become addicting because it is so exciting. Yeah, it's, it's instant gratification for the work you're doing, isn't it? It is. Yeah, and, and so now when you say the, the transformation you can see in any given day, you're talking about being hands-on. You're talking about getting, you know, getting dirty mm-hmm. and doing the work. Um, it, for somebody listening and saying, you know what, I just don't have those dynamics in my life that I could do that, I would need to be someone who hires people to do the work and maybe the transformation they see is they they drop in in the morning and they drop in later on in the day is that even a realistic outlook or or if you're not doing the work is that just an impossible impossible thing to do I think learning the work is important to understand the components of a home but a lot of individuals that I see whether I'm watching other you know, bigger pockets podcasts or other podcasts with people that are doing this full time, they've scaled their business in a way that they're doing so many properties at a time that they no longer are able to do the work. Mm-hmm. So if you can't do the construction, I don't think that breaks the deal. I think the people that are very successful and have gotten there have scaled their business in a way that they don't have to, and they can just focus on the deal versus deal basis. 
So it'd be important then. And this is a tough thing for anybody in business is getting the right people. And that's yeah. that's kind of the million dollar question on how yeah. do you find that? Yeah. Um, but really, you know, as you do work through that process, the first thing you're going to need to find is just a really good general contractor, yeah. someone that can oversee the jobs, make sure the timelines are staying on on uh, schedule, the budgets being managed. But finding the workers, that's the challenge. Mm-hmm. So, Aaron, we're, the next thing we're going to do is we're going to be talking about return on investment and what people can expect to or what people should expect to make in, uh, in a real estate investment flip. But first, we're going to take a break. Uh, people, you've li- been listening to Reality Realty on Northumberland 89.7 FM's Truly Local Radio. Join us for some more real estate talk after this break, and we're going to be looking at return on investment with a real estate home flip. Hi, I'm Elizabeth Kaiser, and I'm the host of Happy Hour. It's a show about, well, things that make you happy. We have stories and guests, great music, and a lot of fun. I hope you'll join me Tuesdays at 7 on Northumberland 89.7, Truly Local Radio. Finish Grade Excavating, Landscaping, and Property Maintenance serves commercial, estate, and residential properties throughout Northumberland County. A well-maintained landscape reflects your image. We take pride in our quality, customer satisfaction, reasonable rates, and we are fully insured for your peace of mind. Call us at 905-376-9749 to receive your free quote. Mention this ad and get a 10% discount. Finish Grade Excavating, Landscaping, and Property Maintenance, 905-376-9749. You'll make the grade with Finish Grade. Northumberland Arts at 8 Queen Street in Port Hope is the face of the Visual Arts Program of Northumberland 89.7. The shop features a wide selection of art and three-dimensional objects, mostly from regional artists. Bestsellers include ceramics and jewelry. Staffed by knowledgeable volunteers, all profits will assist Northumberland 89.7 in publicizing the arts. Northumberland Arts, just two doors north of the Capitol Theatre, adjacent to Dreamers Cafe. Open Thursday through Saturday, 11 to 5, Sunday 1 to 4. New stocks arriving daily. Welcome back. This is Northumberland, 89.7 FM's Reality Realty with Dale Bryant. And our guest today is Aaron Farrell. And Aaron is a a realtor here in town. Aaron is a real estate uh, investor and is part of a staging company uh, family business, and Aaron is helping us with understanding the real estate investment flip. So if you've ever thought about investing in real estate to fix up a home and sell it, this is a show you should be listening to. Uh, if if maybe you're not thinking about it, but you're just curious about it, this is a show you should be listening to. And I, I'd like to also say, if you have no intention of it, and you ha- you couldn't care less about real estate flipping, but you live in a home or you own a home, there's a lot of things we're going to be talking about that amounts to creating value in your home and, and, and making the home you live in more valuable and more enjoyable to live in. So you should still be listening to the show. And if you're hearing these words, you are. So before the break, Aaron, we were, we were talking about a few things. We were talking about who could be good candidates for a real estate flip. Mm-hmm. Um, we were talking about uh, what you personally like most about uh, doing this. And 
and, and, and one of the things I'd like to point out, and folks might be able to see this later, we're taping. We're taping today's show. First time I've ever taped the show on video. So we're thinking maybe in the future you'll be able to see this show uh, online and and the antics that maybe go on during the commercial breaks and uh, a little bit of back scene inside stuff. So, yeah, I'll let, I'll let people know more about that as, as that unfolds. But we mentioned that you were going to talk about return on investment, Aaron. And uh, what what would it be a decent return on that investment? Or is there a minimum return on investment before you, you should even get involved? Well, I think when you're... When you're asking what's the minimum, that's obviously going to be subjective to everyone. Everyone has their own goals that they want to earn out of the flip based on the work that they feel that they're going to do. Um, for me, if we're if we're looking at a percentage, about fifteen percent ROI is fair, and that's usually going to come in around twenty-five to forty-five thousand mm-hmm. is where you should aim to be now in, in our market. In our market, yeah. Um, now it may be a little slimmer now. Uh, than it was, but in and around there is where I would like to see uh, myself usually set the goal for a flip. Yeah. Now, the one misconception that you know comes with ROI is a lot of people, and there is situations where this happens where people will hit a home run flip where it's a yeah. hundred thousand dollars and it's a change your life flip and you've made a ton of money on it. Yeah, they do exist. There are, are opportunities where that can happen, but however. The, the flip side of that is that usually the those... flip side? <laughs> pun intended. Um, the flip side of that is usually that it creates the need for an extensive budget, a lot mm-hmm. of time. And the biggest thing is when it takes that much time for that home run flip to hit those heavy margins, the market could change. Mm-hmm. And then everything has changed. Yeah, your, your plan. Yeah, the rug just got taken out from under your feet with your plan, right? Absolutely. Or... Or it got better. Well, if it changes up for the better, then you're laughing. Yeah. So, so a fifteen percent, you said, is what you're you're looking for. And uh, how long would you suggest that uh, a person should take to to get to that place where you, you you purchase, it closes, and before that's ready to sell? From experience, I would think that three to four months should be the goal timeline that you set for yourself. Um, I think the real bread and butter of flipping real estate is the smaller jobs on a smaller scale that are in and out, where not as many variables come into play. You're three, four months to lower your carrying costs, and then you take your profits and you move on to the next project. Mm-hmm. I think volume is important for people that scale properly and end up making a very successful flipping business. They don't look for the home run. They look to scale their business in a way that they're doing mass volume. And folks, I just, I just like to remind you, uh, Aaron is someone who's done it and done it successfully. Uh, there's, there's people who try it and it doesn't go so well. Um, and uh, this, this is all golden advice here. Uh, when when we talk about time, Aaron, to do the flip, and you're saying, you know what, three four months, you're referring to a flip where you've bought it and you're going to work on it. You live somewhere else, um, but then there's also the flip where somebody buys a home, they live in it, they work on it while they live in it, and then once the work's done, then it goes up for sale. Uh, Tell me a bit about the differences there and and benefits and drawbacks of, of each one. Sure. Uh, I, I have lived in a flip and I've also 
um, had flips where I'm not living in the property. The first thing I would say is when you're living in the flip, obviously the productivity is much higher. I mean, there were some times where it's three in the morning and I'm putting down hardwood floor and the air compressor's covered in blankets to, to you know, mute the noise. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that goes with it. But on the flip side, again, um, you can't escape that. Like mentally, it can become quite a bit because every day you're waking up and all you're seeing is the work that you have to do. Yeah, you're living, you're living in your job. Exactly, which yeah. can be tough, can be really tough. Um, however, when you're not uh, at a flip um, and not living there, there is other things as well. There's, you know, risks of things that happen when no one's at the property, you mm. know, vandalism, anything like that. Not like it's a major concern, but there's risks to that as well. Right, and, and then there's some people maybe that are doing the flip and they, they have a timeline of a year or two. To, yeah. you know, living in it for a year or two and, and the pace isn't three, three o'clock in the morning punching down boards. Of course. But it's, uh, it's, it's the odd evening and, and w- their weekends and it becomes their hobby even. For sure. I, and I think that's great. I think especially too, if you're a first time home buyer or you're younger as well um, and you're maybe your life hasn't got as busy with kids or anything like that yet, my advice is, is always, you know, use the term flipping to yourself which is a great term that I, I learned about at a Keyspire event with Scott McGilvery. Mm-hmm. And it basically talks about um, if you do the work, but you do it over a prolonged period while living in the house, you have the benefit of not carrying a second mortgage or a second property. Mm-hmm. You have the benefit of maybe some tax uh, not being as steep if you carry the property for a certain amount of time as a primary residence, maybe capital gains doesn't come into play after two years. Um, to some extent, I mean, it's always going to be submitted since the new rules. But yeah, um, yeah if you if you're repeating this, even if you're over two years, and and uh, CRA finds that that you make you make anywhere from forty thousand to a hundred thousand on your home every even three or four mm-hmm. years. So, there's always a chance somebody's scratching their head and wants to take a closer look. Of course. Yeah. Of course. The one thing I would advise, if you are going to do it and, and live in it, it's really important not to start flipping the house for yourself, where you start making design decisions because you're living in the home and they start to leverage, you know, how it's going to look because you're making it personal. Yeah. Yeah. And which is one of the first things uh, in the show you said, you a mistake you made at first is maybe making things too personal. Of course. So an easy thing to get caught up in. Certainly. Yeah. You, you see something on Pinterest one night and you're like, I love this. Let's put this in. But really, are you getting the value out of it? And is it appealing to the masses or is it just a personal trend that you like? So if you have a heart and any passion, be careful as a flipper. <laughs> <laughs> stay cold. Stay yeah, cold. Yeah. Um, Best areas, best areas in a house to renovate. We all, you know, we always see things on um, in in media about kitchens and bath and and ROI on that. What what are your thoughts on that? Well, of course, I mean, kitchen and bathrooms are always um, components of of renovation that add a lot of value. Um, but there's a few other. Uh, investments that on a smaller scale that I think really, really help. Garage doors. Mm-hmm. You can you can find modern California style garage doors for $3,500 and that's going to transform the exterior. It, it's going to look like a, a, a superb house of high quality 
but you've just gotten fancy with the garage doors. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing is a simple upgrade in the kitchen. If you have one of those modern uh, wall-mounted hood vents over your range, that's only a few hundred dollar upgrade from a traditional range vent, but it adds all the difference in detail. It's what people are looking for today. Of course. And it's oftentimes I even find if if I'm taking buyers through a property, when they leave the property, they'll usually leave the property with two or three design elements that they really liked, Mm -hmm. that really stood out to them. I think it's important not to go overboard on incorporating these design elements, but do it in places of the home that are an individual upgrade that isn't too expensive that really shows well. Feature walls are a fantastic example. Mm-hmm. Wallpaper, textured wallpaper has really come back and adds a nice nice touch. Obviously, barnwood walls were very popular and, and have been over the past few years. These little elements, they add a little bit of pop to the house that mm-hmm. maybe separates it from what you're seeing in a builder's grade home. Mm-hmm. Nothing against builders, great homes, of course. Yeah. But you don't have the benefit when you're flipping a home to say this is a brand new home. Mm-hmm. So you have to set the home apart in some way. And uh, one one of the things that I think about and talk about to people is the uh, is the landscaping, is the exterior. I mean, for for a few reasons. Well, I had a I had a guest on a couple of years ago, a landscaper and doing my homework for the show and return on investment, you know, and this is assuming that um, you're getting people to do it, Mm -hmm. not necessarily like you're talking about where you get very involved yourself, but they were talking about kitchens and bath. If you're paying somebody might only be 75 cents on a dollar because you're paying professionals to do it all. But with, um, with landscaping, they were talking about, anywhere from 200 to a thousand percent uh you know um or cents on your dollar 200 to a thousand cents on your on your dollar what what do you think about landscaping well to even add to even add to that point uh, especially landscaping in the front of the house Mm -hmm. um i think when you're selling a property, the first six feet of the home, that first impression is really, really important. In a way, I feel like it sometimes sets the tone for the showing, uh, positive or negative. Are you impressed or disappointed from what the pictures looked like online? Mm-hmm. I think when you're coming up to a home and it's landscaped well into the entrance, you have a great first six feet in the foyer. I think even when you get to the point of selling the home, um, the numbers aside and that value that it's added I think it's really important in creating that emotional attachment that buyers have to the home with the hopes that they carry that through the rest of the showing. And and if if the first six feet, as you mentioned, the curb appeal and the first six feet in the home are that appealing and the rest of the home doesn't quite live up, it's also the last six feet and the curb appeal that they're looking at as they look over their shoulder and driving away. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And even landscaping into the backyard, everyone likes to have their own outdoor space as well that is really done up. Um, and, and, you know, for the cost, like you had mentioned, of, of the labor associated with landscaping versus the carpentry labor that you may pay on a custom kitchen, there's a big difference there in the price. Well, a, a few things I think about when I think of that curb appeal and that landscaping also is... Some some architecture, you know, mm-hmm. is uh, fairly flat. It's maybe not super detailed as far as roof lines and and creating interest in depth. But if your if your home doesn't have that interesting architectural depth, you can do that uh, from the curb with with trees with bushes. And and I don't mean 
the garden that's right under the living room window that's flat, you know, as flat as the house. I mean, bring things out, bring things out uh, five, six feet, ten feet, and and create a, an interesting depth in totally and out. Totally agree. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. And then and then I think about return on investment with a a lawn that's you know sort of shabby. It's bumpy. Mm-hmm. It's it's full of weeds. Mm-hmm. How much does that cost really to, you know, clean up right and tidy up pruning yeah bushes and trees and 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 how much time does that actually take before it's like manicured right and really too i I don't think you have to be a professional to get good results from that i you know if you don't want to be too involved in the flip there is still always going to be areas of the flip that you can do the work yourself and i think that would be one of them for sure Mm -hmm. and and then i and you mentioned that uh as far as the outdoor space you maybe have a an eighteen hundred square foot home, but you have a deck, and it's not just a deck, but you somehow turn it into what people more consider mm-hmm. exterior living space, and they can picture mm-hmm. having their family and their friends of there course. because maybe you even put some wall art up on the back of the of the house, and you created, you know, with the barbecue and different settings, you you created, you made that. Uh, 1,800 square feet or whatever seem like more because everybody's picturing right. being outside as much or more than inside. Right, because the space carries through. It carries yeah. beyond just the home. And, I mean, it ties into, you know, a, a lot of what selling real estate is, is, is you know, taking away, you know, you always hear about decluttering, you know, personal pictures and things like that. You're just allowing people to envision themselves living in this home and, and feeling like this can be a place to, you know, raise their family or, or whatever it may be. What about basements? If you if you come across a basement and it's unfinished, what do you think uh, the the return is to finish a basement? Uh, or a basement finished poorly, you know, like yeah. back back in the seventies uh, or eighties, and it's got paneling. And right. Yeah, I mean, if if the paneling's throughout the whole house, I'm I'm in awe. I'm like, this is absolutely perfect. This is exactly what I want to see. This is gold. <laughs> basements are funny because everyone with basements has it is subjective with what people want to do to their basement. Some people need extra bedrooms down there. Some people just want a very large entertainment space. Uh, there's been properties before where we've even just the basement was um, very dated, but the house didn't accommodate the full budget to redo both levels. Mm -hmm. So the basement was just cleaned up, taken back to the studs and left vacant for someone else to finish. And that was a solution as well. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say depending on where the state of the basement is, because a lot of basements are DIY, you don't necessarily know the quality of work that has happened, especially in basements. I think you, you have to take each house as its own job and assess how severe it may be down there. If you have a lot of costs with refinishing it, I think there is other areas of the house where you should prioritize your budget before getting to the basement. So in, in that case where, where you just, you know, take off that do-it-yourself for paneling mm-hmm. because the money is better spent on the main floor, what do you think um, that does, uh, does the cement basement floor um, deserve a coat of paint? Are you going to do more than just rip up? Are you going to finish it in any way? I would have it, I would definitely have it clean. Like mm-hmm. you just want it clean down there. Um, if there is, for example, a big thing is hanging electrical wires. If you got anything like that, just tack them, tack mm-hmm. them to the studs, pin them back, organize everything. 
a fresh coat of paint on the basement floor goes a long way too. Yeah. Um, and even if it's just simply framing in and drywalling some of the exterior walls, I think that can be a great solution with low cost. Mm-hmm. So personal rules, you've developed your own personal rules that, that you're going to follow on a flip. What? And, and you've already mentioned one. I mentioned one, never get emotional. Never get emotional. Do you have any others? I do. Um, one important rule um, that a lot of people will say is remember that you make your money on the buy. So what do you mean when you say that? So when I say that is when you have a property and you know you have to put a certain amount of dollars into it and the ARV, which is the after repair value, is going to be this, typically that budget and that resale that you're going to list for, it's not really going to change. Mm-hmm. The only figure that you really can dictate is the purchase price. So when I say you make your money on the buy, it ties in hand in hand with not getting emotional. Because if you get emotional and feel like you have to have the property, you're going to overspend to get it. And in turn, you're going to hurt your margins. So it's important to remember that you make your money on the buy mm-hmm. and you have to stick to your numbers. So that's that's going to re- uh, first thing that comes to my mind when you say that that's requiring some patience. It is. You have to just tell yourself there is always another property. Yeah. That and that's And that's the hard part for a lot of people, even myself. I, yeah. And time after time. That's great advice for anyone, even somebody buying the home that they're just going to live in. I mean, it's such an emotional business we're in. And and I I often will say to clients, you know what? It's not the last good house we're going to run across, whether you're flipping or just buying to live in. Yeah, it's almost universal for anyone buying Mm -hmm. because, you know, that value that that house is going to resell for, it's pretty well a set number based off where the market is. Mm -hmm. Another rule I have is always tack on 10% to your estimated rental budget because I've yet to do a flip that hasn't gone over your expected budget. It's just part of it. Things come up. You discover things as you're you're tearing down a wall. Of course. Yeah. I mean, I... You know, perfect story is on the on one of the last flips. It was in Coburg down by the water. And we had to do a new AC unit, but the AC wasn't in yet. In summer, it was so hot in the house. And we're drywalling the upstairs. We're doing about a 24 by 20 foot master suite that we're mm-hmm. trying to create. But there's two big windows right at the front. So I'm like, I have to get some air in here. Like, I can't breathe. Yeah. So I open the windows. And what happens? A massive gust of wind comes in it catches the old vapor barrier on the ceiling and drops the entire ceiling i had never budgeted oh, no to have to redo the whole <laughs> ceiling the vapor barrier everything with it but yeah. these are things that will happen yeah so if it can go wrong it sometimes will go wrong of course so oh go ahead well one other thing that i think is really important um is have an exit strategy mm-hmm. so a lot of people um, that maybe are, are thinking of doing a flip, it'll never cross their mind to have an exit strategy, but that is so important. What happens if the house doesn't sell and you are maybe have a hard money loan to mm-hmm. finance the property and your only way to get rid of the property is to sell it? You have to have an exit strategy, whether you're you know buying a house where if everything doesn't go as planned, you can rent it out to cover those carrying costs mm-hmm. and carry it for a few years to mitigate the damage. But if your only option is to get out of the property by selling it, there's a lot of times where maybe a certain house isn't selling for whatever reason and the debt is quickly piling up. Yeah, Mar- markets can change uh, so many things. Yeah, yeah. so great advice. I mean, yeah, have a plan B, which is the exit strategy, right? Of course, B, of course. B and maybe even C. 
All right, Aaron, well, we're, we're at our next break, but before we go, I just want to mention that uh, an interesting thing you said about, you know, as you tear the place apart, you might see things that come up. And that, that brings me to a thought about buyer beware. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to cover buyer beware on a, on a flip and, and even as a buyer of a flip uh, right after this break. Celebrating our fifth year of service to Northumberland County. We're Northumberland 89.7, truly local radio. Friday afternoons are the best. And they're even better when you spend them with me, Jordan Appleman. Just listen to my show, The Core, happening on Friday afternoon from 1 to 4. It's the perfect show to relax to and get ready to enjoy the weekend. I'll play all the best music for you, tell you what's going on this weekend, and give you news that'll make you shake your head, smile, and maybe even learn something. Just listen to The Core from 1 to 4 on Friday afternoon on Northumberland 89.7, truly local radio. Ken Ludwig's A Fox on the Fairway is a tribute to the great English farces of the 30s and 40s. The fun begins with the annual golf tournament between two competing country clubs with a sizable wager, three love affairs, disappearing diamonds, and objectionable sweaters. Pamela and I have been seeing each other for several months now. You have really? Absolutely. At night. On weekends. Sometimes before breakfast. A Fox on the Fairway, dinner theater at the Best Western Plus Coburg Inn and Convention Center. Tickets available at the box office. Welcome back. This is Reality Realty on Northumberland 89.7 FM. Local real estate talk. I'm here with Aaron Farrell, and Aaron is a real estate investor he has uh, done a number of successful house flips. He's a real estate uh, sales representative with Royal LePage Pro Alliance Realty Brokerage and part of a family business um, staging, a staging company. And Aaron, remind me, the staging company's name. Staged Interiors. Staged Interiors. Dale should be able to get that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, just a little bit of... Uh, you know, after two or three times, I usually catch on. That's okay. <laughs> next week. Next week, we'll have it down. Yeah. And so we were talking before the break, Aaron, about um, about when you, you know, the, the money sometimes that that you have to allocate and you recommend add 10% to uh, a rental budget. Yes. Because things happen, you discover things. And, and so that makes me think about something that when I'm working with buyers and we're going through a home. And we know it's a flip because I can see, I can see as a realtor, that house just got purchased six months ago or a year ago right. or X whatever price. at, at a, a low value. And, and now all of a sudden it's looking completely different and they're asking 100000 more or 200000 more. And, and it's gorgeous. But I always say, hey, folks, let's go in this house with eyes wide open because this was a flip. And we don't know if that person took off some walls, saw some mold, and just said, you know what, Let's don't worry about it. We're just covering it up and uh, with the beautiful finish and you know trim. And nobody's going to know the evils that lie beneath that beautiful... Behind the walls. The behind the walls. So when you hear this, so this is me saying this as, as a realtor mm-hmm. representing buyers, which you do as well. Mm-hmm. And... But what, what do you say as a flipper? What are your thoughts when, when I say something like that? Well, I mean, as a realtor, I would say the same thing. Uh, as a flipper, um, 
there is a stigma associated with it because, of course, at times there probably have been nightmares that have happened and things weren't taken care of and it was a, a bit of lipstick mm-hmm. and there was underlying issues. Some solutions I've tried to come up with just to have the buyer have confidence in the property. I think it's it's really easy. Just take pictures of the work as you're moving along. If you're redoing siding, show that it was restrapped underneath or if you're framing in walls, take a picture of the new vapor barrier and the new insulation in between the studs before the drywall is put on. Things like that. I think if you just document the process the way through mm-hmm. and and ultimately you have to have a conscience when you do it T- to an extent that your result and your product is going to be associated with you. So after a few flips, if you're doing shoddy work or or letting things squeeze by, you can kind of get pigeonholed into doing poor work. And if that's what you become known as doing, well, then you have a bigger problem because now your properties are sitting Mm -hmm. and you can't get the property sold. Especially in a small community. Especially in a small community. Where people talk. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So you can flip with the conscience. Yeah, I, I, I think, and as, if I step back out of a flipper and as a real estate agent on the other side of it, if I'm going into a property that has a flip, the first thing I want to know is, did they invest any money in doing the major mechanicals? Mm-hmm. Because those are areas of the home where maybe the return isn't as high. The money didn't need to be spent there to maybe have the house looking a certain way to get a certain price. If I go into a property and I've seen that the major mechanicals are done, maybe it's a a rural property and they've installed a UV light, things like that, that gives me a good impression of the quality of the work that was done. Mm. I always like to look at baseboards as well. So if you're impressing more than the real estate photographer, if you're actually impressing the home inspector, the home inspector, uh, Mr. Dave Smith. That's right. If he's giving some uh, thumbs up, th- that's a decent sign that you're dealing with the right flipper. Yeah, I just basically try and do my flip so that they they please Dave Smith, and I know I'm in a good position. Yeah, exactly. And uh, you know, and that idea you had, I've I've obviously seen homes that people photographed uh, as they were building on a new build. But I, I, and I'm not saying it, it doesn't exist other than you, but as many flips as I've been in, I've never actually seen on display the, the progress of the flip. And, and that's, that's a beautiful idea because that's like full disclosure out sure. there. And, and, and what, what a lot of confidence you can uh, incorporate in a, in a flip like that. And you're already under the, under the microscope if you're doing a flip. Everyone knows that it was. So everyone, like you said, eyes open. Everyone's already going to be even more critical. I think the best thing you can do is have that portfolio documenting the work that you've done throughout the process on the table right beside a pre-list home inspection. And that shows full confidence in your product. And, and that's something I noticed that you do. Um, I had a buyer that recently purchased one of your uh, sales. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I... I do that. I um, I pre-inspect a, a home and uh, offer it up to. I, I usually do mine electronically. If the if the realtor has a buyer interested, I'll send it uh, electronically. You had it right there, out on display in uh, in a binder. And what a great idea! Um, those pre-inspection reports. I agree. Yeah. Once again, it's it's a disclosure from a third party. Exactly. And Unbiased. Yeah, I love that. So. When you're when you see this home, mm-hmm. you're you're shopping around as mm-hmm. a as an investment flipper, and you're looking at homes. 
What, what are some key points when you say, am I going to make an offer on this or not? Right. What are you thinking? Well, before you get into the numbers alone, when you're just looking at it and you're scouting whether to go take a look or not, I want to look for a few things. I want to look at what's the days on market for properties in that area. Is it a popular area? Um, I want to look at recent sales in the area, of course, all things that the realtor will help you with. But when I'm really dissecting the recent sales in the area, one thing I'm looking to do is if I've established my ARV, mm-hmm. my after resale value, where I'm estimating the property is going to be, if I reach this price in this neighborhood, am I going to be the first to do it? Am I going to be trying to break the ceiling getting this price? If I am, I don't think it's going to work. I think you want to stay within the median average there for price. That's one thing that I'm going to look at. Obviously, the work that has to be done. I, I know that if a, proper, a property has major mechanical issues and also needs a lot of cosmetic work, there could be too many variables along all of that process that are hidden costs that mm-hmm. are going to tack onto the budget. Um, so calculated risk obviously comes into play. Time it will take to... Uh, to do the property, I don't really like to take on a flip that is longer than six months. Right. I would like to, at worst case scenario, six months from the time it's done, it's, it's purchased to finished up for sale and potentially sold, giving myself 40 days to sell the property. Mm-hmm. Um, and then lastly, I'll, I'll transition that into ROI. What's my what's my return that I could see on this property if I go forward? So you have you have a bit of a formula then that you you would use? Yeah. So there's there's a couple formulas. Very common. A lot of people will use what's called the seventy percent rule, which is you take your ARV, you multiply it by seventy percent, and you subtract your resale cost or your your upgrade cost. Uh, and and the difference is because a lot of times when I first started, I would go into a flip and I would say I'm going to buy it for this amount. This is the budget. This is where I'm going to sell it for, and this is my profit. But I was doing it a bit backwards. Mm-hmm. What you want to find out is where you should offer on the property for everything to work. So when you take that ARV, that after resale value, you multiply it by 70% and subtract your rehab cost, that number is where you should offer on the property. Now, to open that up a little bit to explain... Mm-hmm. The 30% that is thrown away that isn't multiplied out of the 70% includes your fixed costs and your profits. I watched a fantastic podcast by Bigger Pockets. It was, I think it was back in 2015, where a gentleman that was on it talked about how he would refer to that formula, but he did it a little differently because what he found is if you're putting your fixed costs and your profits into one margin, a 30% bracket, Mm -hmm. it can easily be inflated or deflated artificially. Every property that you're going to go into is going to have a different amount of fixed costs. Some properties have higher taxes. You may be doing a hard money loan for this one and paying Mm -hmm. a higher percent interest. So what he started doing and, and what I like to refer to is you take your after resale value, you subtract your renovation costs, you subtract your fixed costs, which is important. Your fixed cost is everything, your realtor fees. You have your fixed costs on the buy and you have your fixed costs on the sell, your lawyer mm-hmm. fees, everything like that, your carrying costs. And then what he would do is he would subtract his desired profit. So he was setting that profit up individually. It was mm-hmm. already preset and right. that would dictate where he wants to offer on the property. 
and then you would see if that price is in line with what the neighborhood can bear. Of course. Yeah. Of course. So that yeah, that's a, a neat little twist on that because mm-hmm. then you're, you're you're saying, you know what? I already know what I want to make. I'm not going to compromise this. Will exactly. it work? Exactly. You're not leaving your profit margins up to estimation in the sense of saying, we buy it for this, this is the cost, we sell it for this, this is what I could make. Mm-hmm. You're saying this is what I want to make and what I need to make on the property. Mm-hmm. So by subtracting everything out, this is where I need to buy. Right. And it just one last question on this. Um, our time is pretty short right now. And we talked about the patience it will take mm-hmm. to get that right house for mm-hmm. a calculation like that to work. Mm-hmm. And with our market, we're, we're, we're in a, a very strong seller's market. And I think, I think I said something like 35% uh, this morning was the calculation on Snapshot. I'll just take a quick look here. It was 34%. Mm. Very strong. I yeah. mean, you only need to be 20% to be in a seller's market. So it's, it's far beyond that. These homes come up few and far between. And I'm sure some of these homes that are potential flip homes, they're trying to ride on the coattails of the good homes that sold. Right. Any, any advice on that? Yeah, I, 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 well, to, to the riding the coattails point, I, I do see that. And whether mm-hmm. it's just because there isn't a massive amount of inventory here. So if there's only two homes of a similar model in a subdivision, one is done up and one isn't, and there isn't a bunch in between, it doesn't create that gap in the price points. It's tough. I think I think you just have to be prepared. You have to have everything in line, your pre-approval, everything that you need if you're doing a joint venture or partnering with everyone. Have that deal preset so that the only thing you need to plug in is the property and the price that you're paying, mm-hmm. and you run those numbers. And I, then I just think it's important to have a strong offer and and try and get to the property as fast as possible. Be, be quick. Be quick. They do come up. Yeah. And I, I mean, I do see them come up. And I think... You know, it's not surprising where maybe you'll buy a larger amount of inventory in the spring because there's more inventory coming up, mm-hmm. less competition than you will in slower months. But you just have to be quick. Well, Aaron, we're done for today. Thank you so much for joining me. And, and you'll be back next week. I will. And we'll, fi- we'll, we'll continue on with this. We, there's a lot of information we haven't, we haven't gotten to. And, and Aaron, if somebody's looking for a good realtor... And uh, what's the best way that they can contact you? Um, they can they can call me at 905-396-0489 or my email is aaron at aaronfarrow.ca. Even if they just have any questions, I'd love to hear from them. Great. Any any questions on flips and yeah. their own investment? Of course. Uh, Design ideas, whatever. I'd love to I'd love to hear what everyone's go- going on. And and folks, if you haven't, if you didn't get that down, you can always contact me and I'd be happy to pass along Aaron's contact information. And you can listen next week because Aaron will be back. If you have any questions or comments about anything on today's show or for any real estate questions, feel free to contact me by emailing dale at dalebryant.ca. I'm an active real estate broker with Royal LePage Pro Alliance Realty Brokerage. And don't forget to join me next Thursday from 11 a.m. until 12 noon for Reality Realty on Northumberland 89.7 FM, Truly Local Radio. Until next week, folks. Why not come out and enjoy a fabulous movie-going experience at the Rainbow Cinemas? Play in now through April the 11th. Shazam! Rated PG. No free passes accepted. Pet Cemetery Rated 14A. And Dumbo Rated G. 
Rainbow Cinemas are in the Northumberland Mall, 1111 Elgin Street West in Coburg. For showtimes, call 905-372-2444 or visit rainbowcinemas.ca.